if I've got, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes and I want a quick release, you know the kind, I know the exact toy that'll do the trick. Or I know the exact friction and rhythm to deliver with my hands in order to do it too. But if I want to slow things way down for a totally different experience, when I'm not in a rush, when I can spend some true quality time with myself, there's some very specific accessories that I like to grab. Sometimes I blindfold myself or I dim the lights really low. Sometimes I use a feather up and down my arms while vibey music plays in the background. Sometimes I get as much of my body involved as I possibly can. I run my hands through my hair, down my face, and I let my fingers dance all over the surface of my skin. I put pressure on my inner thighs. I take my sweet time seducing myself before ever touching my genitals. And when I'm properly warmed up and efficiently lubed up, one of my favorite new bedroom accessories to reach for is the Oh My C from Ioba. I'm not sure what mechanism is in this thing, but the toy has a little nub that rotates at different speeds, so it mimics the sensation of being orally stimulated. It's nice, it's light, and it's quiet. Sometimes the sounds of my toys can actually take me out of my experience, so a softer, quieter toy is incredibly appreciated. I make sure to take deep breaths as I let the pleasure and sensation build, breathing it throughout my body, and when the time is just right, I pick up the speed of the rotation and I ride a full body wave of ecstasy. This is one of many acts of devotion I choose to regularly deliver to myself. And it's not about what my partner can or cannot give to me. It's about taking time to be with myself in my pleasure, doing anything and everything that feels good for me. If you're looking for a quiet, high-quality, beginner-friendly, super-cute vibe that doesn't actually vibe too hard, my personal recommendation is the Oh My See from Ioba. See the show notes for details and a discount. I'm Alexa, also known as That Sex Chick. And if you haven't guessed it by now, I love talking about sex. Not only talking about it, but I'm obsessed with helping you create an epic sex life while cultivating deeply fulfilling relationships. There's so much more to the conversation than just the act of sex itself, which is why I created this podcast. You can expect this show to be packed with resources, advice, experts, and everyday people talking about how they have created the best sex and love lives for them. If you are ready to take responsibility for your pleasure, then you are in the right place. Now, let's go talk sex, shall we? This is a Soulfire production. Bryony, I feel like this conversation, first off, long overdue. And second off, I feel like this is going to be a hybrid of us probably continuing to talk shit and catch up. And also digging into the new things that you are working on in the world, which is perpetually fascinating to me. <laughs> uh, I'm here for the shit talking and the journey. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Cause I feel like we're going to go on one. I absolutely love you and love your work. Mm -hmm. I, I remember, was it back 2017 maybe? And oh, I dude. had just, I had just started, um, working on the violet butterfly, which okay. is the first blog that I started writing on. And that was when I wound up creating my community, which is, was at the time the kaleidoscope. 
Mm-hmm. And now it's turned into that sex group. And so much has changed and transformed um, since I believe we met each other. And I think oh, we, really? the first time we met each other, was at like a talk on masculinity? Was it that? Yeah. Or maybe it was something else? Oh. I it, it's going to be one of those things where we were in New York and we both were just kind of like babies starting out. And it's funny to say that it's only been three, four years, but we were green and we were like going to all the events. And yeah, somehow I thought you were going to say we end up at a talk at masturbation, which wouldn't have been out of <laughs> the loop either. Masculinity, masturbation, all those good topics. We were just sort of soaking them up and you know, yeah. and meeting all these people and it's amazing to see what people have gone on to do years later and just the the journeys we've both been on for sure and i i just remember like sitting there and seeing your branding and hearing you on stage and going like she's got her shit together oh i didn't <laughs> i still don't <laughs> but it looks as though and i also don't know as much as I am like, Ooh, okay. A new system's in place with my brand or my business or whatever. Okay. We, I feel like legit. Am I a, do I have a big girl brand now? That's my term for it behind the scenes. I'm like, are we closer, any closer to big girl brand? <laughs> and you know, like the team I'm like, okay, well I have a team now. So does that, yeah. do I get to call myself an entrepreneur? Like I have all of these like things mm. that I have to tick the boxes before I can like call myself something or say something. And it's a never ending process mm-hmm. because each year that goes by and stuff gets bigger and better and whatever. I still kind of feel the same internally. So like you said, journey, journey. Yeah, it has been a journey. And I'm here to tell you, you've got like more than a big girl brand. You've got a a big ass brand. Like (laughs) it is huge. It's global. And I tell people wherever I go in the world about it. And when I'm in interviews, I meet them mentioning the group or um, your, I will, I won't, I want. Yes. Is want, that it? Yes. Want, will, won't. And what's so funny about that? I just recently had somebody message, uh, message us and say, I'm looking for the link for the do, didn't, wouldn't list. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, close. I'm just going to give you this list instead. Cause I'm pretty sure that's what you're asking the for. W's. That's what I'm going to call it from now on. Yeah. The WWW. So anyway, um, I would love for you to paint a picture for the listeners here, um, of who you are, how future of sex and you being in this space came to be a little bit of what that journey has looked like. And then what are some of the things that you're excited about and working on project wise now? Yeah, sure. So I started future of sex now, three, four years ago as a podcast. So I was so interested in exploring where technology was taking us with sexuality and also where people were exploring their sexuality through technology. So what is this link or sex tech? And so that podcast started this huge journey for me of, you know, hosting events, diving into the world of sex tech and realizing, oh my gosh, this is more than just sex robots, which we will definitely talk about sex robots and dolls and all that good stuff. But it's so much more and that technology was helping people with sex education, with sexual health, with assault reporting, human trafficking, me too. Like it was just this infinite pool of things that technology could do to enhance sexuality and also in some cases detract from it. So what's 
started out as a podcast, ended up being a consultancy where I'd jump in with companies and look at the way they were using their technology in their brands and then also build products, run hackathons around the world. So encourage other people to come in and just like bring their ideas to life if they had a, an idea for sex tech. And now that that's culminated in this school called Sex Tech School, which is this six-week program for entrepreneurs that want to start a business in sex tech. And I guess the other piece of the puzzle there is like why sex tech is I, I came from a tech background in that I worked with startups and I you know worked at Microsoft for a while. And I had this understanding of how technology just transformed every aspect of our life, like how married we are to our smartphones today and like how much we rely on technology for connection for friends. And I was just like, you know, what's got to be the most interesting part of technology is when it enters the bedroom or sexuality. And so um, that was, that was how it sort of came to be in the most concise way. And for you personally, was it the interest did you find that the interest is more in the tech and the startup? And then eventually it became an interest in sex itself and sexuality itself, because I know that you are a voice for female pleasure, mm-hmm. pleasure in general, um, yeah. sex tech actually making it into the bedroom. And then how could it, how could it really truly enhance yeah. the, the situation? It's not just for getting the tech out there. Oh my gosh. Good on, good on you. For, I knew you'd go there and ask that question. Because really the the line is, right, that I have a technology background, but anyone that's in the sex industry um, or works in sexuality or is a vocal about sex positivity, anyone that stays in that industry has a personal reason to be there because it's so hard to talk about this stuff. It's taboo. It's not everyone understands, especially parents in some cases of career choices. So for anyone out there that's working in the sexuality industry, I see you, I hear you. I also have um, a personal story that's not as clean cut, I think, as the the professional story, right? Which is like, I had this background in tech, but from a personal stance, I had what would be somewhat of a typical experience growing up in Australia of, yeah, average sex education, you know, like, condom on a banana stuff. It's very relatable, I think, to like the majority of people that grew up in the 80s and 90s. Like sex ed was very average. Part of that was also the messages I got about my sexuality, not at school, but just from my surroundings, right? I remember um, going into Target with my mum to buy my first bra and I was so excited and I was like, oh my God, I was 12 years old. And it was really the first sign of like physical sexuality. And I raced home and I put on my bra and I was like, oh my God, dad, you've got to take pictures of me. This is my first bra. Wow. And he was like, okay. And, and not knowing the messages or anything about that, my parents were so lovely and supporting me and being like, this is great. You're a woman now. Here's your photo. (laughs) You go to school. But it truly was one of the like last moments I remember where I celebrated being a woman and being, you know, sexual and all those things. The rest I didn't understand. I didn't understand um, definitely from like a mental perspective why people, especially older men, looked at me differently. All I realized was, oh my gosh, something's wrong. And I think probably you have experienced this too where you don't really know why as a young girl, um, you know, people would be looking differently at you or saying things, but you know it's wrong. And so no one really ever explained that to me. And and I I sort of grew up thinking I have to be smaller um, in frame 
or in voice not to speak up and like um, tiptoe around things. And, and that followed me around into the workplace or certainly in university in just varying guises of like sexual assault or like, I, I don't want to use the word assault because it wasn't that strong. It's just a very, I would say, typical experience of growing up as a woman. And by the age of 30, I was like, you know what? I am sick of being small. I'm sick of not having a voice. I'm sick of not being able to celebrate my body. I'm sick of not understanding like why it's bad to be sexual. And um, so I was fed up. So it was like this nice little intersection of like, okay, I've, I've somewhat mid-level in my career. I'm unsatisfied, but also in my personal life, like, why don't I understand and why can't I celebrate my sexuality? So those two things converged and I started the Future of Sex podcast. Really, it's like a personal project to explore um, the present of sex. Really what you're talking about when you're talking about all the future of sex is that you're just talking about sex, right? And how technology intersects our lives. Well, that happens in everyone's lives today. So um, that's the personal backdrop, I think, to all of this and the reason that I'm so um, you know, just vocal about female pleasure and everyone's pleasure is because no one ever got to tell me at 16 years old or the, you know, 12 year old running around target excited to be a woman and have a body that like, well, what does that mean? You know? And so I'm kind of filling in the gaps for myself, um, and looking at myself as a kid going, what, what would I really have liked to have known? And, Mm -hmm. and how can I tell that to myself at, in my thirties? Does that make oh sense? Gosh. Yes, yes, yes. And yes, of course, of course, right? We do the work that we're most, you know, that need, we're going to need to yes, solve for ourselves, you to know, here need to have, but I also don't think that, I don't think anyone's exempt from this, not this area of life. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the way that the world works and operates. I don't think anyone, I think that, uh, people of all types, you know, um, it ebbs and it flows, whether or not there's a certain type of person's sexuality, that's the centerpiece or the focus of everyone, but, um, everyone's slighted a good sex education. And with that Mm -hmm. sex education, not having the education in these particular areas, then there's of course, lack of confidence. There's a lack Mm -hmm. of knowledge. There's a lack of feeling empowered. Sometimes there's a lack of a sense of like, agency and able to make decisions and knowing Mm. where boundaries are and all of these Mm. things. And so, um, we wind up with lots of cultures all over the world that are repressed and don't really have, um, a connection to a part of them that is very much deeply connected to their identity and who they are in the world. And so like the work you do matters, right? the work you do Oh, thank you. Yeah. I think, I think we, yeah, I think you're right. We do the stuff that we need to like heal in ourselves, but also, yeah, our sexuality, I believe is like our expression, you know, it is how we walk down the street, whether that's in a big, bold way or just contained, you know, but it still is like at its most positive part, uh, our humanity. So I am so passionate about this and we can use technology as an excuse to talk about it, future of sex. Yeah. So I am getting ready to, and this is just assuming that none of my family listens to this. <laughs> what I'm about don't to say. Don't assume that. And I also don't mind if they hear this, but uh, I am about to gift my oldest niece, who is going to be 21 
in 2021. She was born in the year 2000. So that's convenient as an aunt. I will always know how old she is. Um, but she's never used a vibrator before mm. was kind of like, I just sent her a text. I was like, I'm either going to get you an Amazon gift card for the holidays, or I could get you this thing. And she was like, Oh, <laughs> I'm like, so have you ever used one of these? Mm. No, I haven't. I'm like, I'm like, don't, I'm like, hold it in Lex. Keep cool. You know? Cause I want to, I want to make sure that I stay the cool fun. You can come to me at any time mm. aunt. And I, I don't want to scare her. And I don't want to make her feel like she just, I don't make her feel anything mm. <laughs> other than curious. Mm. I would love for her to feel connected to me and, and curious about herself and the world. And she very recently came out to our family, um, as bisexual and I'm just so proud of her. She's at Rutgers. And so she has always been obsessed with New York city. So she's very close and loves drag and loves being in, you know, stage production and all of that. And so she, I, I think that for my very conservative Southern Louisiana family, I was the oddball that went sideways with my decisions in life and put everybody to the test. And, mm. you know, my mom, I feel like she wishes I did anything but what I do. <laughs> At first yep. she did. Now I am a fun party trick. You know, like there's a bunch of social and because I have been in it and I've made something of it to some degree, some, some notable degree. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, oh, do you know what Alexa does? And then it's like, oh, you're just using what I, you're just using me as permission to have a conversation that you would not give yourself permission to have. Yes. So with me going first, I think that that really um, set my niece up for um, an environment, a familial environment that was going to also celebrate her and her coming out and being expressed and all that. And so Anyway, I'm about to get her, her first vibe. And she's like, but do you, I think I was like, do you have anything that you're curious about or whatever? And she said, I don't think I want one that you like put inside. I'm like, great. I was not going to get you one of those. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so sex tech, I see this as a, a means of, you know, you know, you think sex tech and go buy the vibe and, you know, however many years ago going to purchase something that was sex tech was like going to like this really sketchy shop that like mm. felt creepy and wasn't really a boutique kind of experience. And, you know, now it's just so simple and so easy. And, um, I'm, I'm hoping that like utilizing sex tech in this way is helping me get her closer to the type of relationship she wants to have or knowing herself and, and her body on a deeper level. And God forbid it brings us closer together, but sex tech's totally changed over the last five years, oh, 10 years. Yeah. What a great present, by the way. I, mm. I have gifted all my friends vibrators now, and it is mm. the most rewarding gift to give someone pleasure. And I think that that's awesome that you, you even asked her that she was comfortable. Um, and most people don't know that if you gift sex toys for vulva owners, doesn't have to be something that goes inside you, right. you know, and, and it doesn't have to look big or scary. Mm -hmm. In fact, a lot of the sex tech, um, in the sexual wellness toys category for women actually looks pretty beautiful mm -hmm. and doesn't look like 
let's say it like a big old dick. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't have to look like that. <laughs> a giant 12 inch veiny suction cup. Yeah, that's so know? gone. You know, that's like yeah. that looking, it, we're not about replacing the anatomy. Like the technology is meant to enhance the experience and be an add on and, and be an add on for coupled sex too. So, um, it has changed so much. You're right. And, and when you go shopping for it, you realize, oh my goodness, like this wouldn't look out of place on like the bookshelf right here. Um, or, you know, on right. a table, like these pieces look really beautiful. They belong in, you know, museum bookshops or boutiques and the, the technology inside them is really doing the work. It's really suited to your anatomy rather than looking like another human body part. It's actually, you know, for the air pressure ones, which are air pressure technology, which focuses on the clitoris. It's, it's aiming to simulate oral sex by using pulses of air. And there's just so many different cool things I think people right. don't know about that technology can do. Um, and it looks cute, which is counterintuitive when you think, oh, fuck, it's got to look like a Bluetooth speaker or something like techie. It doesn't have to. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I love wearing my Love Crave Vesper yes, necklace. Yes, I then see the, you wearing that. Yeah. And then the unbound jewelry that yes. functions as all kinds of cool things. Right, right. So the unbound jewelry Alexa's talking about, if if you haven't seen it, there's a ring there that uses haptic technology. So you can program this ring to turn into um, a nice little bullet vibrator and program like your own um, pattern that you choose and I mean, to fit that inside a ring is incredible, let alone make the ring look good, you know? Right. That's the Palma. Yes. 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 We, right. had, yeah. uh, we had Polly on the show. Oh, great. Yeah. I hope she showed off her Palma then. <laughs> yeah, it had just, I feel like she had just launched it at the time okay. when I recorded with her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's wild. And so I do want to get into some of the most interesting things that you have seen along the way. Cause I know you have been to all kinds of crazy, cool conferences all over the world, but there's something that you mentioned just now that, um, I want to make a note of, and just kind of put a little asterisk next to, mm. um, and that is, I love that we're having a conversation talking about how they look like they belong on a shelf, a bookshelf or which for anybody who winds up getting to see the video recording of this, um, you can see behind me, I have a shelf that literally has books and vibrators and dildos and butt plugs and everything. And you wouldn't even know you walk in. I think the cleaners that come over, I'm always curious. I haven't directly told them what I do, but I think they can probably put two and two together. So, um, <laughs> but anyway, when they dust that shelf, I'm just curious, what are they thinking? Yeah. Um, and it looks so. good. I don't think pe some people can't tell. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, the, I was staying at the standard, uh, like a month ago and the cleaners threw out my, my melt vibrate. It didn't look like a vibrate, but I think they thought it was rubbish. <laughs> well, <laughs> on this note, we are talking about sex tech today. That doesn't look like an anatomy. It doesn't look like yeah. the anatomy and that's great because guess what? All of these sex toys and these things that are built for self-pleasure or to add, you know, be additional means of pleasure within the context of a relationship, whatever that relationship looks like, but you, you know, partnered with somebody else, they have the anatomy. None of this is for, is none of this is to replace a person. Mm -hmm. None of this stuff is, oh, I'll just, you know, I like the memes 
they're cute. They're funny where it's like, I'll just date my vibrator or whatever, but it's a joke. All of these toys or tools are tools to help aid in the pleasure, but they're not to replace by any means the real thing. I think that's a really good point to make because I think that's where couples come unstuck a bit is thinking, well, if she she wants this toy instead of me. It's like, no, this is a great aid for sex to make it more pleasurable, especially if the majority of women, um, you know, come from clitoral stimulation and you're inside her, like that's amazing. And let's not forget also sex tech for men, you know, and like the power of using a male masturbator sleeve. And there's a ton that have come out this year. Like, I feel like if we're talking about the future, I feel like next year penis owners are going to get a treat in terms of the sex tech that's coming out for them. And you know what? That is an area that is really still so stigmatized. We think about men using sex toys and we think, oh, they must be like the creepy kid that's, you know, got the fleshlight or whatever and um, doesn't can't get laid. But, in fact, using sex toys for men is about using different textures and, and using different um, rhythms and things that aren't just like the same old one, two, three move that you might use. And that can be helpful too, for some men. So yeah, I don't know where I was going with that. I could talk for days about it. You know, it's, there's definitely a range. I love that so much. And I think about it, like we live to be pretty old humans, generally speaking, we live to to be pretty old and generally speaking, monogamous ish monogamous is the type of relationship or serial monogamy where people Mm -hmm. are getting in a relationship with one person and then it runs its course. And then it's another one person until it runs its course. Um, but we're typically in relationships for long periods of time, like really long periods of time. And so the idea that you could ever get the spark in air quotes back that you experienced when you were in new relationship energy. Uh It's just, how about we look at it for what it is? We are humans. We're going to get used to that person. We're going to fall in routine with that person. We might even have kids with that person. And then that's routine. And then we're tired and lack of sleep. And maybe at some point there's a health thing. And there's all these different things that can impact sex, that can impact intimacy, that can impact, you know, how you connect with your partner. And so these are ways that you can throw in a little adrenaline and throw in a little additional spark, dare I say. Um, and yes. look at them as toys there to play with. That's a good point. The toys. And like this year, more than ever, I think I've said the word teledildonics so many times this year because of lockdown, right? And people want to hear that teledildonics are the new thing. Teledildonics meaning like Wi-Fi, Bluetooth enabled sex toys. You usually have a toy and an app and you can control it. And they're like, this is amazing for long distance relationships. And this is saving, you know, marriages that are apart and all that sort of thing. But also like, let's not forget, you don't need to be across the other side of the world to use teledildonics. You can use it in the next room, right? Right. Like you can have a partner who's got, you know, the toy in her panties or the guy has a sleeve on and, you know, the other partner's like making dinner and got their app in the other other hand and using it there or using it at the grocery store like that got to make shopping more exciting. And so when we think about using these things for fun and for enhancing our relationship, I think there's so many examples beyond the obvious where we can, we can think about how do we use these. And um, Alexia brought up also like we live a long time. And Mm -hmm. I think 
that is one thing I've seen when I've been doing my research is the aging population um, are really underserved when it comes to anything sex. Like you and I are out here preaching the good word about sexuality for people that are generally, you know, in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s. But like what happens to people like my mom and my dad, their 60s and their 70s? Like they're still alive. Their hearts are still beating. Um, how can we serve them? And I think that's been a really interesting moment for me to look at these what I call invisible populations where people are that they don't know about these sex toys or it's not necessarily catered to their bodies because their hands are, you know, getting older and they have mobility issues. And how do we how do we look at technology in that way and develop products for those markets is also a big opportunity. So it sounds like you are a little bit here and a little bit there answering what I have on my little sheet here as my final <laughs> question, which is where do you believe the future of sex tech mm. is going? And it sounds as though men have something, penis owners have something to look yeah. forward to. And potentially there's a wide open space and a wide open market for sex tech to help with aging or to go along with aging. Like, yeah. yeah, I think it's for, I think my conclusion is that sex tech is for everyone. And we've been doubling down, which is amazing, on sex tech and the spotlight on women. I mean, look at the amount of celebrities right now, female celebrities joining sex toy companies as brand representatives, as co-directors, as founders. We have Cara Delevingne, we have Lily Allen, we have, um, who else, Dakota Johnson, like this, like even in the last month or so, right? So it's definitely become mainstream for women to talk about using sex tech, to talk about using sex toys, not so much for men. And then the reach beyond that is, yeah, who are these other populations that aren't being served? Maybe that's people in rural areas that don't have as much access to technology. Maybe it's the aging population. I think another area that's super interesting is the disability community and like sex toys for them and handy. I don't know if you've spoken to handy yet or know much about handy. I've heard of handy, but I don't know much about it. You better get Andrew Gerzer and Heather Morrison on your podcast. Yes, ma'am. I will do it. If you say so. They are incredible brother, sister duo who are creating a sex toy company for people with disabilities and their story is incredible, but also the products that they're making that are coming out next year are purely focused on people with mobility issues first, but human pleasure for everyone um, second. And those kind of things tie together. I think like thinking about the aging population, thinking about getting older, like ultimately a lot of us are going to be disabled in some way as we age. And so we should be thinking about those. So for me, the future of sex tech is really looking at everyone, but like niching down on these specific needs that specific groups have. And then of course, like my, my like hope and dream and vision is that it's shame free, you know, and that it's open and, and we can sort of get rid of this judgment that comes along with talking about sex and communicating with our partners and just being sexually happy. Mm. And, um, you can go ahead and hit the rewind like 15 seconds and turn it up and listen to that again. I was like, what's she talking about? Listen to that one again. Yes. <laughs> that was great. Uh, oh, you're hilarious. I love it. 
So, you know, I think we kind of hit the, the original question that was like some of the cool things that you've seen along the way, but I'm sure mm-hmm. that there's a couple more. And mm-hmm. um, I would love to hear a couple of the things that you saw in your travels. And then let's end with the one that I can't get off of this call and can't um, do this recording justice if we don't give it to the people. They want to hear about sex robot dolls. Some of the most interesting areas of sex tech at the moment that I've seen are wearables. Mm. So think about things that you would wear for either pleasure or protection or prevention. Okay. That sounds like a condom. Um, let me get more specific. So Onut, if you're familiar with Onut, such Mm -hmm. a cool idea. It's essentially, you know, these rings, these rubber rings that you put on a penis to reduce the depth of penetration. So perhaps you're having a hard time with, you know, the depth and it's uncomfortable or you suffer from a condition that makes it really painful. Um, This helps with not having painful sex. And it's such a simple idea. I think Emily, the founder, she like was experimenting, like doing the ultimate prototyping. I think she was putting like donuts on her partner's dick at the time to like, see like, how could we do this? Don't quote me on that. I'm sorry, Emily, if I've like misshapen your story there, but she was, <laughs> I mean, she was, she's a true entrepreneur and that she like built, built it really hacked it together first. And then now has this incredible company. Um, in that same area of wearables, we have one that's often talked about is the Rape Axe from South Africa, which is a female condom that's fitted with barbs that's intended to be, you know, worn when you go out to avoid being raped. And it's just a really interesting way to, I think, flips people's minds about what sex tech is and that it can be used with these social issues where, like, for instance, in South Africa, a woman is raped every 17 seconds. It's just like, Wow. Hard to even fathom. And this, this product called the Rape Axe is still in prototype, has been unable to get funding because it's, I mean, it is controversial. It's like yeah. if you, if anything penetrates you, this Rape Axe gets stuck to it. It's fitted with barbs. You need to go to hospital to get it removed. Does it come out? Comes out of the vulva. Yeah. Vagina. Vagina. Yeah. It comes out of wherever it's situated and latches onto the penis. Mm-hmm. Like a bear trap. Like a bear trap. Like a bear trap. So they're like, you know, in that prevention realm, I think, wow, that's so interesting. Another, and I'll end on this, which is much more about like, I think very futuristic and hard to commercialize is um, Richly has the Lovetron 9000. Love Trine 9000 is a chip that is implanted in his pelvis above his penis and it vibrates. So it basically turns his penis into a vibrator. And it's part of this big like body hacking community where people put chips and things inside, you know, their arms to like, you know, as a subway pass or, you know, to control the weather or let you know when your microwave's, you know, done. Oh my God. But yeah, so he's experimenting and and thinking about the possibilities of that for the future. It's very futuristic and sci-fi. It's like becoming a cyborg, right? And where does that go? And how on earth do you commercialize an idea like that where people, it's just, you have to implant something into your body. Um, So I think we're a bit further off um, with those sort of ideas and tattoos, like using ink um, with the technology inside it to essentially electro stimulate your skin. So these sort of ideas wow. I research are, are really far away. 
I think more close to home is stuff like robots and dolls. So when we think about that, well, sex dolls have been around for a while now and the oldest company in the US and probably the one that's most sophisticated also with robots is real dolls Mm -hmm. or abyss creations. And they have been making dolls for 20 plus years. And they're also making dolls with technology inside their heads. So robots essentially. And I recently have gone back into my research with this and, and had chats with several different people, including doll owners to really understand how much those two overlap because dolls are one thing. Like in a way we can sort of see dolls as like, okay, they're this thing that like doesn't talk back. So you can project a whole heap onto dolls. You can do whatever you want with the dolls, but the robots, there's some ethical things there where they start to talk back. They start to take a bunch of your data. They remember who you are. They can potentially incriminate you in different ways, just like a Alexa or Google home. So there's a ton of different issues in there, but what's most interesting is why, why would people choose to have a doll or by extension, a sex robot um, for a companion and talking to doll owners today just gave me so much more compassion about the subject rather than treating it as something that's just like totally creepy and weird. I think understanding that people choose sex dolls. Yes, there's a physical component, but also companionship and intimacy um, creativity as well. It can kind of be a creative outlet for people to, you know, have this whole story about a doll and create a Twitter account for it and social accounts. And, and then the, the, I guess the, the, the most recent shocking thing I think I found out about when I was really diving deep into the psychology of doll ownership was discovering that there was also a whole community of women that owned baby dolls and would treat them like they were their children and dress them and look after them. And then like, there's so much intimacy wrapped up in that. And it made me really understand a lot more why men buy the girlfriend experience of a sex doll was this companionship is so badly lacking in their lives. So I'm going to stop there. Cause I can just like go nuts with the doll thing. I know. And I'm like listening and I, I've been so present with you sharing that information that I was like, I don't even have another question. <laughs> you know? question that uh, other than like when I was thinking who who is buying these who like who is this I need to know these people and and speaking to them and realizing oh wow it's it's more than sex it's intimacy I guess the the biggest question is like where is this going then in the future will we will we accept this and will we accept this as love like will people actually fall in love with sex robots? Like, will this be a full rip and replace? Just as we were scared about sex toys, right? Oh my God, sex toys are entering the bedroom. My um, my boyfriend is just going to use a masturbator from now and not, not have any use right. for me as we think of dolls, as we think of robots and the same thing for girlfriends. It's like, can you actually fall in love with a sex robot or a sex doll? And I think for most people, the second question that pops up then is, well, what is love? Like, can you love something that can't love you back? You know, and is that real love or is that a special type of like robot love that we reserve? And speaking to people that are, you know, doing the research in this is like, well, yes, you can fall in love with an object. And that means you can fall in love with a sex robot. And that may not 
mean that it's reciprocal, like it is when you two humans fall in love, but it is another sort of love. And that to me really surprised me. And I, it's got me thinking about the well, what, what the hell is love then? You know? Yeah, absolutely. But I, I love the curiosity that you have had around it because this has been around for a while. Mm. Say, okay, sex robot doll. And then my mind immediately, this is not a robot at all, goes to the movie Old School where Will Ferrell just has the big like blow up doll and he's just running mm-hmm. around with it. I, think I don't that's know. In it's that, I think that's in that movie. I'm pretty sure it's in that movie, but I just think about the really cheesy mm. one that you blow up. Right. Mm. So that has no technology in it. And yeah. that's like as old as these things get, but like you said, they have been around yeah. for a long time. But then when you add the AI component to it, there's, I'm sure so many people have like ethical questions and mm-hmm. is it good to be doing this? And then mm-hmm. if there's good, then the opposite of good is bad. And it makes it have this black, white, good, mm-hmm. bad kind of situation when this could very well be like most really delicious things in the world in the gray area. That's some people are simply better off having that type of love and connection and relationship in their life. And the idea of them having something with a human counterpart maybe is for whatever reason, just not in their cards. So they, in my opinion, deserve to experience their version of love and Mm -hmm. sexual satisfaction and satiation just as anybody deserves that. And so um, I'm sure that there's some people that are hearing this that are like, fucking creepy, even though you're saying like, you know, talking to people and they're not creepy, but they're thinking about it because then a lot of times I imagine they're putting themselves in in somebody's shoes and maybe they're considering their partner being with uh, a sex oh. robot and then feeling the feels of jealousy or feeling the feels mm. of unworthiness, or I could never be like that or something like that. You know, the same kind mm. of feelings that I think sometimes I hear people say about when their partner watches porn, but yeah. just amplified. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like maybe they wouldn't, um, yeah, just be worthy of love and attention and affection anymore. There's this other outlet when from where I stand, that's not a thing. Yeah. I mean, we all draw our own lines around what's, um, you know, considered cheating or not. Right. And so some people consider watching porn cheating and that's their Mm -hmm. line. And so they would definitely consider sex with a doll or a robot cheating. And some people don't and 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 so it's it is going to be whenever people ask me well is sex with robot cheating it's like well that's totally a negotiation between the the two people in that relationship but I will say that the research shows that men are four times more likely to recommend to their partner having sex with a robot than a woman is in Mm -hmm. in hetero relationships and they're twice as likely to 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 try it right even for novelty um so there's definitely an interest there and the the dolls have gone from being blow-up dolls now to that they even have technology in their skin, you know, like their skin is so real, they're completely customizable down to their nipples and if the nipples have hair on them, right? And then you move into the robotic side is when they have that technology in their heads and they can, you know, move their eyes, move their heads around, but they can also talk and you can change their mood via a smartphone, funny, shy, charming, cute, submissive, whatever you want can be controlled through a smartphone and, 
and comes out their head. And then that's starts to get really messy because then you're like, whoa, well now we're, we're definitely in the gray, you know, and this is something that is uncharted territory for most of society. And that, you know, people want, look to me for answers. And I'm like, well, there's not been enough research yet. And it's often the research is coming from the point of view of the researcher of sex robots are bad or there's something wrong here and then there's already a bias and then so it all it often does that but what we really need to do is talk to more doll owners talk about the motivations talk about why this is happening and what they're you know like understand it I believe from that perspective to really get a sense of what what is the ethical boundaries in creating robots that like humans well and uh two things there are male robot dolls as well. So yes. just throw that out there. I've seen, I've seen, um, what is her name? Car- is it Carly with Sledever? Oh yeah, Carly Scott. I remember when her yeah. video was circulating in yeah. my group. Um, so I know that she had an experience with the, with a male robot doll. Yep. And the second thing is if we're worried about these things like sweeping the, the globe and mm-hmm. taking partners and then we don't have any you know, desire to be in partnership. Like, I don't think that that's ever that. So that sex robot doll is not going to help you raise your kids. It's not going to give you a kid. First off, not going to help you raise your kid. Not going to help you keep the, you know, families come together for a lot of reasons. I look at it a little bit like a business, you know, we have functions and we have standard operating procedures and, you know, this is, there's just so much to being a family and being in yeah. connection with humans to think that this could ever take it, you know, take its place. But not only that, uh, they're very expensive. Yeah. Yeah. You don't, you're not just going out and slapping one on the credit card. They're in right. the tens of thousands. Um, so they're not cheap. And like you said, like, it's so funny. I remember talking to Matt McMullen years ago about like, well, what are people like, what are the feature requests? And the number one request for women was like, can this doll take the trash out? This robot take the trash out? Like that, like where are the, you know, like that's what we want is like these functions or like, can the doll make a sandwich? Just think spontaneity, creativity, imagination, all those like human things that make us human. They're really hard to program into a robot, but programming a robot to make a sandwich, that's probably easier, you know, or like, get a Roomba or Roomba or whatever they called the vacuums around. I don't know, right. my accident probably stuffed it up. But yeah, the A to B stuff, that's what robots are good at. The tricky, messy, murky stuff, that's humaning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And all of the flavors and colors of humaning yeah. are necessary for this life experience, I believe. So Super cool. All right. So last little bit, I would love to hear more info about sex tech school because I didn't know that until right before we were getting on um, our call, I was like, oh, and then I went on to the Instagram and everything. And I was like, what is this that's being cooked up? And so (laughs) I think this is for people who hear, you know, someone like Bryony having a conversation about being in this work. You know, Mm -hmm. for me, my side of, you know, I do a lot of sex education. I do a lot of workshops. I run programs. I I do my sex specific things. And then I also help people now create online businesses that, you know, they come to me, they have the education, they have the knowledge. Sometimes, you know, they have coaching experience. I've helped now at the point of this recording two licensed therapists 
give up their licensure so that they can become a sex coach online so that they have more autonomy in how they help people and they can make more money. So I help people with their businesses when they themselves are the tech. (laughs) Right. And you now I see are helping the people who hear these kinds of conversations and they're like, I have a brilliant idea or they have, they have, they are experiencing a challenge over and over again. And the idea of like, I want to bridge a gap or I want to fill a void that has Mm -hmm. not been filled yet. Mm -hmm. And they hear someone like you and you are doing the damn thing. And now Mm -hmm. you are making a space where people can come to you and learn how to get in, in the world of sex tech as a creator. Mm -hmm. So I would love to hear more about that. Yeah. It's funny. We uh, we're talking about our journeys. Like we have both gone on this journey of like, Oh, now accumulated knowledge and the, and, and turn those into programs to teach other people what we know. And for me, that is, you know, I ran hackathons around the world for the last three years, looking at people that were entrepreneurs and innovators in the space that were like, well, how do I get my shoe in? How do I get in? And we'd run these weekends and they're like, but more. And so now I have an online program. It's six weeks and we go through everything you need to get started in sex tech from industry knowledge, like the the stuff that took me probably six months to get at the start. It's like, boom, there you go in two hours. Um, But then, you know, we meet every week for six weeks and we go through who are the people to know? How do you build a brand in the space? How do you engage with all the online communities, whether that's robots, dolls, whether that's toys, where do these people exist and live and how can you collab with them? And then business models, girl, how to make that money. So once you've got an idea or you want a job in the space, or you want to invest in the space, like how do you enter sex tech and thrive in it and and build your own thing, make your thing, really push people to make their thing. By the end of the six weeks, you have to have made a thing. Otherwise you got to go back and do it all again. Right. So it's been fun. So we're up and it's very like right now it's very underground. So we haven't done any advertising, the website is just a waiting list and you get to hear when the next cohort comes out because um, we've had uh, like hundreds of people on the waiting list. And so we've gone very quietly through um, four cohorts, but it's great. And the community is awesome. They all like just go nuts on Slack every day about sex tech stuff. So it's great to see other people geeking out. Well, if you bring sex to Slack, (laughs) Slack becomes sex tech? (laughs) Why not? Yeah. Yeah, I technology mean, designed to enhance sexuality at this point. Yeah, what constitutes a sex tech? Yeah, so if you think about it as like this compound of two terms, so sexuality, yeah. everything in that, it, sex ed, health, pleasure, relationships, prevention, gender identity, and then mix that with technology, that's a really interesting and easy way to think about it. And technology mm-hmm. being, you know, it, yes, robots, VR, AR, AI, all the sexy acronyms, but also websites, apps, uh, technology is just a tool like a dildo that you pick up. And suddenly sex tech's huge. Sex tech is like everything that mixes in that. So you may take sex education together with VR, or you might take mm-hmm. sexual health together with an app. And like what pops out of that? What ideas pop out of mixing something in sexuality and something in technology? And it's, I mean, it's infinite, you know, as, as day by day, we get more and more technology. It's like, well, all these different things can totally transform sexuality. So, so the way I like to describe it in short is sex tech is any technology designed to enhance sexuality. 
So cool. So I can really, I would be reaching by saying this podcast is a sex tech. Sex tech. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out a way where I can do the course and come up can, with something. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah. yeah, you're, you're, you're in girl. You're in a special intake for you. <laughs> great. Great. I'm like, I don't know though. I get a lot of responses. I don't know if you get this uh, because you have a really amazing podcast. Um, but people reach out to me and some of the feedback is my voice mm-hmm. and they'll say, Oh, I didn't know that you had this sexy, sultry. I was like, yep. Sex phone operator. Yep. Situation All the going. Time, right. Yeah. Whenever I'm like up against the microphone like this for sure. So I'm like, I don't know, maybe I could figure out something that's like a little Dipsy-esque. Yes. Yes. Because I realize that's a question all the time in my group is I'm looking for audio, erotic audio. Mm -hmm. And there's like two resources. Perfect. That's it. it. I, you know, I could take that to sex tech school and see where I go. Let's go. I think, (laughs) I think we need it. Maybe we can do it for elderly people too. <laughs> Intersectionality at its Potential market for you there. Oh my gosh. I, that is so sweet though, too. Like something that has to do with erotic audio for the elderly, or for the aging. So cute. It's yeah. really cute. Anyway, I was just, you know, trying to figure out my way in and also trying to paint a picture to showcase the listeners that it's that easy. Yeah. I mean, it's really anything that interests you. Sometimes we have students come in that just want a job working with a sex tech company. They're like, I want to get in and work at one of these companies. Like, can you help me build my portfolio? And they produce a website and hey, they could produce a podcast um, at the end of the course. So if you're interested in sex tech, sign up for the wait list. If you've got an idea, sign up. And um, we also have some investors in the group as well that are like, tell us about the space. This is huge going to blow up, which is makes it a really nice community. Cause then you have that full circle effect of like uh, right. a life cycle, right? like people working at companies, people starting companies, people funding them. So good. Bryony. I love this conversation. There's not very many people I can have this conversation with. You're like <laughs> the person. We, 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 likewise girl. Well, you know, there's other people that are like me. No, not as good. Not, not oh, well, as cool. And I haven't witnessed uh, such a transformation with you too. So I will take it. I will take it. Anyway, yes. Amazing conversation. I am excited to maybe even periodically have you come on the show and say, yeah. hey, what's new? Yeah. Did- you should come to sex tech school, by the way. Like we should have you speak, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I will do on your own podcast. I'll do whatever you want me to. <laughs> okay. You just go to your app and flip submissive, Alexa. <laughs> I will do whatever you say. Yes. <laughs> Anything you want. Yeah, it won't take much. You actually don't even have to go to the app. You just have to look at me and say that. And I'll go, <laughs> yes, Mistress Bryony. <laughs> Perfect. Done. Yeah. Consider it done. Yeah, absolutely. Again, thank you. Is there anything else left on your heart, your mind that you would like to leave the listeners with? I mean, I just hope that people know that the the future of sex is ideally 
shame-free, it's positive and it's without judgment. And I don't think we can get there without people like yourself and people like your listeners that are tuning in that are really driving a conversation about sex that's celebratory, that's empowering and that's normal. Like the future of sex actually has so little to do with technology and everything to do with us and everyone's an important part of that equation. Mm. Hell yes, absolutely. And again, thank you, Bryony. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you loved it, be sure to subscribe so you never miss a new episode. And if you extra, extra loved it, make sure to leave a five-star review. I'll see y'all next week.